dire che nel... Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. I don't even know how to introduce you. Like, blast from the past. Welcome back. I mean, we've got a new guest on today with us, Lisa. Uh, I don't even know how, but uh, I guess for a lot of the people out there, they already know who you are. Uh, and we used to do the podcast together. Uh, I'll explain a little bit about who you are, what you, you know, what we used to do for those people that, that maybe uh started listening to the podcast after you got super busy doing your own thing uh but lisa used to to uh join me on the survival prep the survivalist prepper podcast uh made it a lot of fun actually because we just talked crap to each other and got talked back and forth about preparedness and everything and it was a lot of fun uh and we do tinfoil hat time like we're going to do today so uh it was a lot of fun so want to bring Lisa back on today. It's it's a perfect week to bring you on for tinfoil hat time. Uh, all this alien news came out and it's like, I was telling, uh, I forget who I was telling, but I was like, Lisa must've talked to her people or something and told him to put on a show because she's going to be on a live video this week. So uh, at any rate, uh, let everyone know, like I said, the new people, what your credentials are, what, why we're talking about first aid and all that. And then also some of the things that you've got going on now, why uh, it's really hard to, uh, why why you're not on the Survival Preppers podcast anymore, because you got 14 YouTube channels and all that stuff and, and all that. So just explain to people who you are and what you do and, and all that. Well, I'm Lisa. I'm his wife, that guy over there, wherever he is. That's, that's Dale, and I am his wife. And yes, I used to be on the Survival Prepper podcast. We used to just kind of banter back and forth. And he would say something, and then I would say something, not trying to call him out on it or say that was a dumb answer, Dale, but sometimes it was a dumb answer, Dale. It's not, I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and when, after we were doing that for a while, and you were doing more and more of the survivalist prepper and survival preppers and all of the things that you're doing, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. So I have a, I have two YouTube channels. One is the budget equestrian. That's like my mainstay YouTube channel. And now I've branched off and I have the budget equestrian. And then I also have DIY diva, which is a new channel. So not very many subscribers on there yet, but that way I can keep things separated and do my DIY projects and things that I like to do in the house separate from being around horses, because for some reason, people that are into horses and being a budget equestrian aren't really into like Dollar Tree decorating and stuff. I don't understand, <laughs> but you know, yeah. whatever. And so those are my side gigs, I guess. And then I also have a website, budgetequestrian.com. And then I also have another website, truewhimsy.com, which kind of correlates with the DIY diva. And the reason I'm doing those is I, I enjoy preparedness. I mean, that's what we do on a day in, day out basis. But unfortunately, with us being into preparedness, and I know Dale has talked about it a lot, you tend to kind of get pushed to the wayside when it comes to YouTube and different, you know, places like that because censored. Yeah. 
It just, it just seems like they don't want people to know how to do this stuff for themselves. They don't want you to know how to do first aid. They, they don't want you to do that stuff. They want you to, you know, go to them for help. So Mm -hmm. that, that was why I kind of went off on my own thing. And then during the day, I go to work all day and I'm actually a registered nurse and I have a, I guess, I guess I'm specialized in advanced wound care and also diabetic foot care. Um, I'm the foot nurse in the clinic that I work in and I get to see lots and lots of feet every single day. Some of them are pretty, most of them not so much. Yeah. Hey, uh, Anthony's in the chat. He said, Hey, Lisa and Dale, just want to let you know, cause I don't, you can't see the comments I put up, but, uh, Brandon's in there and I didn't notice this, but he said matching, matching shirts, super cute. I, I didn't even pay attention to that. <laughs> I'd have changed my shirt. <laughs> we planned that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we didn't. <laughs> uh, at any rate. Yeah. So Lisa's qualified to talk about this stuff a lot more than I am. And, and the stuff we're going to talk about today, it's the, the basic first aid, uh, the basic first aid things. Uh, some of the things we're going to take questions as well. So if you, anybody in the chat has any questions about different aspects of this, uh, I've got a couple questions from Kenzie that uh, he gave me Kenzie up in Canada, a couple really good questions. So we're going to go through all of that stuff and then we'll get into uh, some of the, 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 uh, some of the really ha- important stuff, Dale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The really important stuff we have to talk about the aliens, the aliens in Las Vegas and everything that's going on. Yeah. Hey, Mandy's in the chat as well. Hey Mandy, how you doing? Uh, yeah. The aliens, super important. It's, that's what they want you to think. That's my opinion on the whole thing, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, one other thing before we get in, you've got uh, a kind of a special occasion tomorrow, right? Uh, for people that have been listening to this show all the time, they probably know Frisbee because you had him longer than we did the podcast. Uh, and there's been a lot of changes. You've gone through a lot of crap recently. I'll let you explain all the things that have gone on and then what's uh, what's going on tomorrow. So... Yeah, let everyone know what's going on with the horses. Okay, well, Frisbee, unfortunately, um, I made the decision in early December to have him put down because he was not doing well with his Cushing's and um, having bouts of laminitis, so he wouldn't walk. And I was like, I'm not going to keep him around. I'm not going to have him in agony just for months and months and months because I'm, you know, being selfish. I would keep him forever if I could, but only if he's healthy. So I decided to end his suffering and we put Frisbee down in December and then, oh God, it's probably been a month. Um, Then Pleasant, the other horse that I had, he actually passed away. And that was kind of a shock because (laughs) I went out to feed him and he was he was dead. So that was like, Oh my gosh, that's never happened before. So that was very hard. It was very awkward as I didn't know what to do. It was like, okay, now what do I do? So for the past month I've been horseless and it's been, it's been really challenging because I didn't really realize how much horses were a part of my life. Yes. Dale is a part of my life forever. (laughs) But the horses, I mean, it's it's really hard when you are used to doing so much like every morning and every evening and, you know, in the in-between time, that's where I would spend my time. But 
I didn't really have like a purpose. I mean, I could do my other stuff, but just it, a part of me was like missing. So tomorrow I'm actually going to a horse rescue that I went and I found two horses. So I am going to go get them tomorrow. And I'm really, really excited. One, one you can ride. Right. And then the other one's like a little runt. The other one's like yes. my style, little, little oddball horse. Yeah. Yes. Just cuter than hell though. Yeah. He's adorable. So the horses, they are actually at a horse rescue. And um, so I'm actually going to change their names. I've never changed horses names before. I've always kept their, their names that they came with, but I just, I had to because <laughs> these guys are so cute. So their names are going to be Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah. Hey, all American preppers in the chat. He said, sorry to hear that. Uh, they become good family or they become family. Good horses do. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people in the chat, Manny and uh, Dorian and Kenzie and everybody saying, uh, you know, sorry for your loss, all that stuff. And then, you know, very cool. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun tomorrow. I, I, I'm curious to see that little sucker. Uh, I know he's, 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 so cute. he's kind of he's, a, uh, he's kind of got an attitude, though, right? Oh, he does. He's got like. Like how little dogs have, you know, they're all big and bad and tough. Well, he's like that because he's a pony and he's a little bitty. And then Napoleon Timon complex. Is, what's that? <laughs> Napoleon complex. Yeah. Yeah. And then Timon, he's a quarter horse. So he is a lot bigger than Pumba. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Uh, just wanted to get all that stuff out of the way. Let everyone know what you're doing and what you're, what's going on tomorrow with you and all that stuff. You've been working your butt off I, it, along with the yard and everything else you've got going on. You've been working your butt off out there too. So, uh, somebody, I think it was Kenzie said, uh, Dale is the hardest working horse in the homestead. You know, I, I would love to take credit for that, but I think Lisa probably is. So <laughs> I'm a close second though. I am a close second. Um, I don't know. The right. other day, you when I was at work, you were texting me and like, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. And I'm like, what the heck did you eat? You're like, <laughs> you just nonstop. Every time I turn around, you're doing something else. You're doing something else. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like a freight train, man. Once I get going, it, it, I don't stop. But getting me going, that's a totally different story. <laughs> when you get going, you're just like, yeah, nonstop. Yeah. Kevin being a, a smart ass in the chat can teach it. Can Lisa teach me how to stitch up a wound? I don't think we're going to be going over that today. Uh, but with that, I suppose we will get into what we were going to talk about today with the first aid stuff. And I suppose before we get into some of the, the sort of real life type scenarios and what we should do and what we shouldn't do, let's go over just the basics of a first aid kit. And I, we don't need to list out every single supply because I think when you're talking about a basic kit, those are kind of self-explanatory. I know you've got a few supplies that are probably not so basic, uh, but but we'll see I with those. They are. Well, you think they are, yeah, for what you do. But that's that's kind of what my point is here is the, the average person, we think about all these cool things, especially in preparedness, where you're looking at trauma kits and all the, you know, chest seals and quick clot and all these different things. We need to think about this. And I believe it was, I don't know who who was who it was on the show the other day that or somebody in the chat. Yeah, Silversorb Gel. 
somebody in the chat on the show I was doing with uh, with All American Prepper the other day and Tag and uh, Grumpy Acres was talking about the 80-20 rule. And I think it applies perfectly to a first aid kit, right? Because most of the stuff that you have uh, is going to be good for certain situations, right? But 20% or how, how did I put this earlier? 80% of what you're going to need your first aid supplies for, 20% of your first aid supplies are going to handle those situations, right? So your gauze, your band-aids, your, I mean, all the basic things in your first aid kit, when you think about the disaster situations that are possible, when, when you think about cut, cutting your arm, uh, say you're working and something falls on your arm and you have a big gash on your arm, that's far more likely than having to dig out a bullet of, of your shoulder, right? I mean, yeah. while it's, while it's possible, there are things that are more possible that I think we need to pay attention to as far as first aid goes uh, for a, a number of different reasons. Right. Am, am I making sense here to you as far as what yeah, first aid think, supplies? I think, yeah, you're, you're running away with the show, Dale. This is my show right now. <laughs> Let me run, run with the show. Yeah. Go for it. <clears throat> All right. So I think honestly, 80 per, or 80% of the stuff that you have in your first aid kit is what you're going to use then there's like the specialty things that you're going to use 20% of the time, maybe the chest seal, or maybe um, it would be so nice if we had an AED. That would be awesome to have in a first aid kit. But just your basic stuff like uh, alcohol, so rubbing alcohol or alcohol swabs, gauze, and I mean, different kinds of gauze. So like four by four gauze, two by two gauze, just like the gauze pads. And then clean gauze or the bulky gauze that you can wrap around things, ACE wraps, I'm trying to think what else I could use on a daily basis, and Coban or Vet Wrap. Vet Wrap is awesome. And what's nice about Vet Wrap is it basically works the same as um, an ACE wrap would, but with a little bit more compression. So the just the typical things, Band-Aids. I even, I even have some Band-Aids. These were so cool. I got these on Amazon. I don't know. Can you see that? Yes. And this was like, it's a pack of 50 Band-Aids and it was like $6. So super, super cheap and awesome for a first aid kit. It has different types of Band-Aids in it. So it's got little ones, big ones, medium ones. This is what you're going to use a lot of time in your first aid kit. So things and like how much that. Was that? That was like $6. And that's Curad. So it's a, a good yeah. brand too. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had, well, because a lot of the stuff that I, I wanted to share were things that I got to update my first aid kit for the barn. And, but I mean, this is stuff that we can use. This is stuff that we will use if we need to, but like, like my favorite, there's my Silvazorb. That, that, yeah. That's yeah. the right way up. Silvazorb. But I found this on Amazon and it's, it's like the same thing. It's just a silver gel. So when you can't find one, then you just can put something else in its place. So that was really cool. We'll we'll go into that a little bit because for the newer people, the older people know your thoughts on uh, Neosporin and stuff like that. But with that, I'm curious with the silver gel, I'm sure you've, you've um, done a little bit of research in it as far as the, the ingredients and is the consistency the same? I mean, is it basically the same? Um, as Silvazorb? Let's find out. Oh, you haven't even opened it yet, so I'm, I'm sitting no. here lying. It's close. 
So the consistency is pretty close. It's clear rather than white Ooh. though, right? No, Silvazorb is clear too. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I don't know if you can see that. Um, but actually it's holding its shape pretty well, which is pretty impressive. So it's a hydrogel, which means it's going to keep a wound moist. And a wound needs to be moist in order to heal. And then the Silvazorb, now this Silvazorb, this is old. So this is in my first aid kit for my horse. But so the Silvazorb is a little bit thicker. Oh, right there. A little bit thicker. Okay. But And why, for the new people, why is Neosporin the devil, basically? Why do you recommend silver gel, gel rather than the triple antibiotic? Because we've overused the triple antibiotic way too much. And so a lot of times people actually have a sensitivity to one of the antibiotics that is in the triple antibiotic, it's neomycin. And a lot of people are actually, they have a sensitivity to it. So when you put neosporin on a wound or somewhere in your body, and if you have a sensitivity to the neomycin, you're going to react to it. And then you're gonna be, oh my gosh, I, I'm infected. So you're gonna put more neosporin on it and then it's just gonna make the problem even worse. So that's one of the problems. Another problem is, We've used it so much. I mean, antibiotics in general too. And all of the, I mean, the different antibiotics that are in it are probably, I don't even know if they're okay on their own anymore. Um, Bacitracin is an, is an okay one. That's one that I would use as like a topical. But when we've used something over and over and over again, what happens to the resistant factor? The bacteria become resistant to it. And actually bacteria is there, all of the bacteria that are around right now, there's no new antibiotics that have been invented or been developed. And I don't, I don't even remember when the last one was developed, but almost every bacteria now is resistant to the antibiotics that we have. So then you end up having to use stronger antibiotics like vancomycin, or there's another one, I can't remember what it is. But there's even, I mean, bacteria is even resistant to that. They have something called VRE, which is like a vancomycin resistor, resistant enterococci. So it's like no matter what antibiotic we have, the bacteria seem to be smarter and they're building up a resistance to it and they can tolerate it. There's even gonorrhea that is resistant to bacteria or to uh, antibiotics, which is, that's <laughs> terrifying. I was going to say gonorrhea that's resistant to bacteria. <laughs> No, antibiotics. Um, Tony said in the chat real quick, we'll go off topic here for a second. He said, what about crazy glue for uh, sealing cuts? Mm, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, I think if there's a cut, if you had nothing anytime else, you have a, what's that? If you had no other option? I, especially if you'd had no other option, I wouldn't probably use crazy glue because how did that cut happen? And was it something dirty that potentially got inside of you. And then if you put crazy glue on top of it, you're sealing whatever that dirtiness was inside of you. So you're setting yourself up for an infection. Yeah. And that's kind of what Kevin said in the chat too. He said, it's great for small wound closures, as long as you make sure it's cleaned uh, before yeah, you, you do had, it. See, and it. that's, that's the difference between the way I think and the way you think as a nurse, because I'm like, okay, I'm just seal it up 
done deal. Everything's everything's working now. I'm not leaking anymore. Let's get back to work. And you are you're thinking about you're like three steps ahead. Where I it's it's a good thing we're married. That's all I gotta say. It's a good thing I married a nurse because. Well, it's um, a good thing for you were married. I may I may only have like one arm and three toes left if <laughs> if I didn't. <laughs> uh so um yeah, I mean just it's Silvazorb is cool stuff. Uh it's really yeah. cool stuff. And um with that, I forget before I even went on that. Oh, we were talking about the the cleaning the wound and all that. Kenzie had a, a cool comment, uh, or he's got a couple of, of things we're gonna talk about today, but he was talking about cleaning a wound and we're just kind of going to go where the the conversation takes us <laughs> so uh and if anybody does have any comments in the chat they want us to go through uh just leave it in the chat we'll do a QA type thing but um when it does come to cleaning wounds he had talked about if you don't have water access to water what can you do say you are i know there's uh, you're going to talk about some saline and stuff but Say you're in a bug and talk about that first, but then say you're in a, a bug out situation or some situation where you don't in a wilderness situation, you don't have access uh, to clean that wound out. What would you, what would be the best course of action? I suppose, other than crossing your fingers and hoping you find That's water. That's pretty soon. much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if I didn't have any water, okay. First, if I didn't have any water, Hopefully I would be with my go bag and I would have some of my first aid supplies because then I would have alcohol wipes. Uh, I actually have saline. So like if you don't have access to water, but if you have somebody with contact lenses, saline solution, it's, it's the, I mean, I think it's 90% or 9% normal. It's, it's not normal saline, but it's close. So that would work pretty good. Or if you had, um, if you were had drinking water in your like in your your water jug or whatever, you could use that something just to clean it off. But then I think the most important thing is you want to cover it up. So you might have to rip off your shirt, or you might have to steal a steal a piece of Dale's underwear, like or the bottom of his shirt. Or you don't want to put that on a wound, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> might as well keep it uncovered. You might as well just chop your arm off at that point. Um, but hopefully. If you find yourself in that type of a situation, there's somewhere where you actually have a first aid kit with you, either in your go bag, your car, your home, just that we have, we have lots of first aid kits everywhere simply for that reason, because, but Dale just likes to, he injures himself and he doesn't tell me about it. And then he comes in and he's like, got blood dripping down him. And I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'll rub some dirt on it. It's like, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. rub dirt on it, Dale. Yeah, it'll stop. Uh, like Kevin and Brian always say, and you always say all the time, all bleeding stops eventually, right? It does. So, it I, does. I was thinking in a situation like that, it, and it, if there's not much you can do, there's not much you can do, but clean it off as much as you can. Definitely don't seal it up like with the super glue and stuff. Definitely don't do that because you're going to have to get to a point. Maybe you do come across somewhere where you can clean it, right? You're going to want to do that later. Although debriding a wound after it's sort of been, I guess, I don't know what to call it, active <laughs> for a number of hours or whatever, probably a lot harder to debride something at that point, right? No, it just depends on like the supplies and stuff that you have. Um, but yeah, and if you don't have anything and let's say it's like a, it's a actively bleeding wound, you can apply pressure to it and 
I was put, no, I was pointing at Kevin's comment. It's got to be clean dirt. Oh. I, I was, was like, pointing well, at my screen. Something. You can't see the comments, so you're probably yeah. I should have warned you. You're like, what the hell are you doing, Dale? <laughs> but if, if 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 it's a bleeding wound, I would probably put pressure on it, just because by applying pressure to the wound, it's going to stop the bleeding. Yeah, but I'm I'm just talking like st stitching. There there is the. What what are the, there's steri strips and then what are these uh, stitch strips? I can't remember what they're called. Oh, the zip stitch or something. Zip stitch, yeah, things like that. Yeah. You wouldn't if you can't clean a wound out. You wouldn't want to put one of those on, correct? No, but once you got to a position or a place where you actually could treat the wound, and let's say that it did potentially need stitches, and you needed to bring the edges of the wound together, you could do that with. I would say steri strips or those zip stitches i think that's what they're called i can't remember i have one back here somewhere and i can't find it so yeah those those are cool actually we have one of the the surgeons he uses those for, the, the huge um, ones on, right yeah well yeah he uses like he'll have like a whole big piece of it on an incision and then the patient comes in and it's pretty cool i got to take them off i'm like i've used these before this is awesome but Steri strips are good. Those zip stitches are cool, but they're really, really expensive. And steri strips are super cheap, cheaper than duct tape even, I think. Yeah. And Kevin said in the chat too, zip stitches are great for the air, but not so much for the field. Uh, and that's because, you know, you probably have to have a nice clean surface. Doctors can make sure that it's going to adhere properly and all that stuff. And yeah, uh, but they are cool. Steri strips are my answer to if you've got to stitch something. And I know preppers love to go out and and learn how to stitch, and it's it's a good skill and all that. But and and I'm not we're not going to get too we're not going to go too far into this. But it's just something you got to be really cautious about. So why not? You know that with me, I don't want anybody poking needles in me and stitching me up anyway. So throw a couple steri strips on me, yeah, pressure dressing, you know, whatever you need to do. But um, it'll it'll seal up eventually. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's just going to take longer to heal. That's all. Yeah, yeah, and and I've had that happen to my finger right here when I was a kid. My mom slammed the window. I think I've told this story before, but my mom slammed the window and I was underneath it. And the glass came down and sliced me right there. And she was going to go take me to the doctor to get stitches. And I was like, nope. And this sucker popped open for like three weeks after that. I had to keep. But eventually, it's closed now. No stitches and it's closed now. So <laughs> uh, so back to, let's get back to the first aid kits a little bit. Because we're, uh, I don't want to run out of time talking about all this stuff. I mean, we could literally do three hours on first aid stuff, especially with you. Talking about any medical oh, stuff. You could go I on forever. talk all day about yeah. first aid stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and All American Prepper talked about people need to understand about uh, the being the first responder and all that stuff. And I want we wanted to cover that as well. But before we get into that, I did want to cover this. Um, as far as first aid kits for people in general, uh, and, you know, you've got different types of first aid kits. You've got different places for first aid kits. So when somebody is first starting out, you're basically making a, a first aid kit, a general first aid kit, right, for your home. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you would want to, how would you go about doing it? Say you weren't, uh, you know, a, you didn't have all the knowledge with all the, about the, all the different supplies that you do. How would you go about it? Just creating a general first aid kit and not, not each supply, but would you go about yeah. the first first kit and then build upon that? And maybe as you take classes or something, then you gather more supplies. 
Uh, and then you've got your car, you've got your animals. There's 14 directions for you to go. So you take it wherever you want. <laughs> well, I think when you're getting started, I think a good place to start would just be to have a basic first aid kit. It doesn't need to be anything fancy, but I would caution you about against buying one that's too expensive because a lot of times you'll find first aid kits that are like in the drugstores or Walmart places like that, or even on Amazon, it'll say 1000 you know, piece first aid kit for $19.95. But what they don't tell you is you're getting 900 Band-Aids in that first aid kit, which is Cheap good. Cheap Band-Aids. Yeah. <laughs> but you just, you, you want to start with something like that just for peace of mind that you've got a first aid kit. Then I think as you, as you learn and your skills go up, I think um, training is really, really important. Basic first aid there's so many classes that you can take, even like American Red Cross, American Heart Association. Um, you, I don't know if, Amer uh, if the Red Cross has the Stop the Bleed classes, but that class is awesome to go to. If you have a Stop the Bleed class, you could probably do a Google search for it in your area and find one. But I would highly encourage anyone to um, participate in that class because it's, it's really awesome. But what I would do next after I have my basic first aid kit that I bought it, Walmart, then I'm going to start making my own personalized first aid kit for the for our house. And I think it depends on what works best for you. If you work best in like a, like a go bag type kit, fine, do something like that. And if you work better in a, like say a tackle box, get a tackle box and start putting first aid supplies in it. It just depends on what is going to work best for you. There is no right or wrong way of how you build your kit, just build it. Start off with buying one thing, buy the Band-Aids, buy, buy some silver gel, buy some alcohol swaps, like maybe budget for yourself $10 every two weeks that you're going to buy first aid supplies. I think one of the things that I would buy and I would recommend them a lot is just plain gauze. Gauze, there's so many purposes so many things that you can use this for. So gauze is awesome. You can get the huge packages of it. I mean, they're like big, uh, like this tall. And they have like 900 gauze, you know, individual gauze pieces in it. And I think they're like maybe $12 um, on Amazon or places like that. And it's not sterile. So when you buy gauze, like in packages like this, it's sterile. So until you open it, it's sterile. But when you open it, these little boogers, I don't even know how to open them. Tear. See, that's tearing something open. That's hard to keep it sterile. But this is large gauze pads from its Band-Aid brand. And they have different types of gauze. So, but look at That's a big, huge piece of gauze. There's so much you could do with that. You could wrap it around your head. You could Once, maybe maybe. Hold it. You could almost make a you know, a tourniquet style dressing with it. Lots of things that you can do with a piece of gauze. So just slowly add to your kit as you go. And then when you get one kit done, well, you could do a car kit. You could do a kit for your, your family members. You can do, if you have pets, you need to have a first aid kit for your pets. And I mean, I have them in my car. Dale has one in his truck. Uh, hopefully we don't have to use it, but it's nice to know that it's in there. Mm -hmm. And that's like my car kit is way different than the kits that we have here. So like we have 
one in the garage. We have one in our hall closet. I have a big, huge bag that's full of first aid supplies. Um, and then in my barn, I actually took a Husky toolbox, one of the Husky rolling toolboxes, and it has the different compartments. So I have like, I think I have three different compartments on that thing that that is all first aid supplies for the barn. So it can be for people or for animals. Uh, one thing I think is really, really nice to have, and I don't see a lot of people having this in their first aid kit, is a pair of bandage scissors. So it could either be like the EMT shears. Those, those are good. Um, I prefer the Lister bandage shears just because they're awesome and they work really well. I use those every day. I have a eight inch pair of Lister bandage scissors and I've got a lot of other pairs too. Unfortunately, I don't have them right here so I can't show them to you. But um, those that is something I would highly encourage you to add to your first aid kit is a pair of bandage scissors. Because what's really nice with those is they have like a longer end on one of the, the blades for the scissors. So you can't cut somebody with that. I mean, you could, but it would take a lot of practice or take a lot of like trying on your part, trying to cut somebody. But if you had to cut somebody's pants off, cut their shirt off, or even cut off an old band, an old dressing that you had on, uh, those scissors are awesome because you know that the you're not going to cut the person. So bandage scissors, lots of different band-aids, gauze, like I said earlier, vet wrap. Um, vet wrap is very affordable too. You can get, get that in different sizes. Rubbing alcohol. Right now you can finally find it again for a long time due to the pandemic and the supply issues or whatever we were being told. You couldn't find rubbing alcohol, <laughs> but thankfully now you can. So yeah. rubbing alcohol peroxide is good. Witch hazel. I mean, anything you can pretty much think of, like first aid supplies, you should have have some around so you can so you can use it if you need it. But if you don't need it, hopefully by having all that stuff, you won't need it. Yeah, that's my mentality. Um, and I've got a few questions that we're stacking up that kind of go through everything you were just talking about. So we'll just go through these in order. Um, the first one was Kenzie. He said, I was taught to build a first aid kit based on common injuries and build out from there. That's basically what you were just saying, correct? Is start with the yeah. stuff that is, and, and what we talked about in the, the beginning, the 80-20 rule. Start with the stuff that is going to be useful, not just in a disaster situation, not just in an SHTF situation, but every day. Things that can that can save you money. So you don't have to go to the doctor for every little thing. If you've got, and that was the next one, was the training. If you've taken CPR classes, if you've taken Stop the Bleed classes, if you've taken those things, that's where I believe it was Kevin in the chat earlier that said, make sure if you have the supply, make sure you know how to use it. So as you take those classes, then you build out that first aid kit like you were talking about, right? You've got some yeah. crazy stuff that when I, like you talked about that first aid kit we have upstairs in the closet. That is the last place I go because I know getting through that, <laughs> I don't know what half the shit in there is. So, sorry, half the stuff in there is. I forget which show I'm on. Um, but so I'll go to the, I, there's a couple, there's a smaller one downstairs. That's usually my go-to uh, because it's got the gauze pads. I can make my own Band-Aid bandage uh, and, you know, do things like that. But yeah, it's the, the skills that are important. The more you learn about this stuff, the more you can expand your first aid kit and the more you understand which direction you need to go with it as far as cars, pets. I mean, all those different things. Yeah. 
Uh, Charlie Angel, uh, I'll get your thoughts on this. You said pain relief meds, antibiotics are important also. Uh, we didn't really, or or did you? I don't know. Did you touch on uh, pain meds and stuff like that? So no. that is a huge yeah. part of a first aid kit as, as well, right? You've got the antidiarrheals. You've got all the different the the different things for those sicknesses that might pop up here and there. Somebody's got the runs. Somebody's dehydrated. Somebody's got allergies. I mean, all of those over-the-counter medica- medications uh, are super important, right? As well as the the antibiotics. That's a little harder. Uh, that's a little tougher, though, right? Yeah, antibiotics. I'm not a huge fan of storing massive amounts of antibiotics uh, because, number one, if you – you need to know what bacteria you're treating because if you just throw some antibiotic at a bacteria because you think that's what it is and it's not, it's not going to help. And then you run the risk of now you've just killed off some of your normal flora in your gut. And I mean, there's every, every antibiotic that there is, like what I was saying earlier, every bacteria is pretty much becoming resistant to antibiotics. So if you know when you're going to use doxycycline, versus are you going to use um, Augmentin or Bactrim? And if you are going to use Bactrim, are you allergic to it? Is the person that you're going to use use it on, are they allergic to it? Do you know what you're treating? Some bacteria yeah. will respond to Bactrim where others won't. And some bacteria will respond to Augmentin where others won't. Knowing the difference between a broad spectrum antibiotic and one that's more focused. These are things that, I mean, you, you really need to know. And yes, antibiotics are helpful, but you got to know what you're treating. So if, are you treating a strep? Are you treating a staph infection? What kind of antibiotic would you use to treat that? Well, one way to find out is you can get a, a nursing drug guidebook, the nursing handbook that talks about all of the different drugs. That right there. Yeah. And that's, look at how old that thing is, 2005. But you it's, can, you can get an older version, right? doesn't need to be yeah, updated, yeah. right? You can find them online for maybe $2. And it's going to have, I mean, lots of different medications in it. It's even Peels. got, yeah, it has pictures. It has even over-the-counter medication, aspirin, Tylenol, ibuprofen. But And those medications, over-the-counter medications, are really important to have in your in your first aid kit or like in a med cabinet. So that's, I like to keep the medicines separated from the first aid supplies. Um, I don't, I don't know why I think that's just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a nurse and that's what we do. We, we don't keep the medicine in the same place where the uh, bandaging supplies are kept. But um, you, and I mean, even like over the counter medication, you have to be careful with, because let's say for example, that I mean, well, I have high blood pressure, so I'm on blood pressure medication. I can't just take certain antihistamines. If I do, that like causes my heart to race and all kinds of other problems. So just knowing what medication I can take. So I can take certain antihistamines, like I think they're called second generation uh, antihistamines like Allegra or Zyrtec. I can take those and it won't affect my heart rate and it won't cause my blood pressure to increase. But Benadryl, things like that, that'll cause people's blood pressure to go up, which in some instances might be a good thing. But for someone with high blood pressure, probably not. See, the average person, the average prepper, this is like, holy crap. Like if the poop hits the fan, 
I'm not giving anybody anything. Uh, but you brought, I mean, it, very good points. And you brought up a good point with the with the antibiotics too. They absolutely will be uh, valuable if, if you're talking about even just something that's slow rolling, not necessarily a Mad Max type situation. What, something where you can't get to the doctor or or you can't get the the medication maybe you can get to the doctor but they can't get the medication so it, it is something that would be good to have stockpiled but you really got to just like everything else we've been talking about you it's good to probably have a chest seal but you got to know how to use a chest seal right it's good to have uh, the different types of antibiotics but you got to know what situations those would be good for if you're treating uh you know trying to get the infection to go down on some sort of wound you can that's a totally different um antibiotic than if you were trying to treat something like a stomach issue or something like that and if you're just dosing people with the wrong antibiotic one it's it's probably not going to do anything but it could actually do i mean not not life-threatening harm but it could actually do harm right because you were talking about it kills that that different types of flora, right? Right. But it actually it could kill somebody too. If you don't know if somebody has an allergy, uh, an allergy to say penicillin and you give them penicillin and they have an anaphylactic response, do you have a, you know, the EpiPen and stuff to be able to manage that? So if you, I mean, you, you've got to know what you're doing. And, and even in today's like world, when when I t have a doctor tell me, you know, I ask him, I'm like, this guy needs an antibiotic. And he's like, yeah, he does. So a lot of times it will culture the wound. And then sometimes they, you know, you can tell by the way a wound looks what it is, what kind of bacteria it is. But sometimes you can't. But I mean, I sit you there can. and go into the chart. <laughs> I go into the chart and order the antibiotics. And if they have an allergy, the computer tells me. Yeah. I don't have to look it up. Yeah, which is why this book is a pretty good book to have. And you can get on eBay or wherever and get a used, uh, like I said, this one's 2005. There's no reason to get a brand new one. The newer medications are going to be in the newer ones. But uh, they're for, as far as a prepper, uh, what we're concerned about, the, the newer medications usually aren't something that we're, we're real concerned about. So. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think if you are, it, I mean, antibiotics are important, but make sure you know what they're used for. Don't just stockpile them. It's like like seeds, everything with preparedness. You, you know, getting your seed vault, right? Getting your seeds ready. And if the shit hits the fan, you're going to go plant your seeds and you're going to have your own garden. No, it's not going to work like that. Uh, if somebody's got an affected wound, you're just going to give them one of each of the antibiotics uh, twice a day. <laughs> and, and that... You know that that see that's the Dale method right there. That's the shotgun There's approach. There's the Dale so, method. Yeah. That's, All right, yeah. I, I want to move on now. We've talked about that a little bit, but Kenzie had a comment in here, which is sort of right up your alley, which is something good for people to know because there we we think about dressings, and we know a lot of us know that. I, and I'll let you go through this as well. Compression dressings. What are those for? But he had talked about wet dressings and dry dressings. Um, each application and why. So I'll let you, you can pick which one you want to go through first of all three of those compression dressings and then wet and dry or however you want to do it. Compression dressings are so much fun. I love compression dressings because you're compressing something that's bleeding and you're stopping the bleeding. So you don't have a tourniquet. So you got to do a compression dressing. And the first thing you're going to use is some gauze. So gauze works really well to apply pressure to a wound 
And then you're going to put other things over top of that to help keep it in place. So either ACE, ACE or VetRap, uh, Curlex gauze will work too. And then you're just going to leave it alone and you're going to put pressure on it because the compression will stop the bleeding eventually. No, it'll stop it actually pretty fast. <laughs> um, and a dry dressing is good pretty much for almost any type of wound when you aren't quite sure what's going on. Uh, but keeping it covered and protected is good. You want to keep a wound about the same temperature as body temperature and a dry dressing will help keep the womb, womb, <laughs> wound warm and close to body temperature. Now, it'll also be a little bit breathable. Dry dressings are typically breathable um, if there's too much moisture in a wound because maybe there was like a Band-Aid was left on too long or it had an occlusive dressing on it and there was lots of drainage from the wound. Well, now you've got a really nasty, soupy mess. And a lot of times you can tell that a wound is soupy and messy because it'll be white around the edges of it. And that's maceration. So like when you've been in the shower too long or the bathtub too long and your skin turns white, well, when your skin turns white around a wound, that means there's too much moisture. So a wet dressing is really good to help counteract that because what you do is you take some gauze. Again, you're going to use gauze. <laughs> Real quick though. I, so a dry dressing, I just want to clarify, a dry dressing would be like that pressure dressing you just showed right there. Uh, a Band-Aid, uh, a piece of gauze and some wraparound, right? Anything that anything it doesn't dry. have anything in it, right? Any Anything dry. Yep. So even the gauze... Um, This foam dressing, that would be considered a dry dressing unless you put something on it. And then this is an alginate dressing. Same thing. It's it's dry. It goes on dry. But actually, alginate is really good for absorbing extra gunk from a wound. What is alginate? What is that impregnated with? This is... Is that the right word? Impregnated? Is that, well, it's is not that... impregnated. It's It almost looks like felt. I don't know if you can see that. It's a little white, but you can kind of see it. Yeah, I don't want to open it because that would waste it. It's kind of, it almost looks like felt, but it's very absorbent. So more absorbent than gauze. And if you have a heavily draining wound and you put something like this on it, that will absorb all that drainage and keep it off the skin and keep it off the wound edges. So anything that's going to keep the uh, moist wound dry is a good idea. But when you're talking like a wet dressing, there are some times when you need to add moisture and actually these silver gels, those add moisture. So those are really good. But if you want to do a simple wet to dry dressing. Real quick um, so before like you, you get to that, because I interrupted you before, I'm interrupting you now too. But you were talking about how when your skin is macerated and it's mm -hmm. that could actually be a good situation to use a wet dressing. When it's already macerated, why wet dressing? Because what you're going to do is you are going to take another, take your gauze again, and you're going to take something to get it damp. So um, saline works really good, like little saline bullets. Wound cleansers, those work really well because you're going to be cleaning out the wound at the same time that you're, you know, keeping it wet. You don't want it dripping wet, just moisten. So it's just damp. Then you're going to fold it or pack it into the wound. And then later on that evening, the goal is that that's gonna dry out. 
then what you're going to do is you're going to pull it out. And then what that's going to do is take off that excess moisture. So a wet dressing isn't necessarily one of those things uh, that uh, like the, the petroleum gauze and all that that's impregnated with the stuff. It's just something that you make wet and then eventually it'll dry out and help you. It kind of sucks that moisture out, I suppose. Okay. It does, but there are like, I don't want to say wet dressings, but there are dressings that will help a um, wound keep the moisture in it. Uh, like elastogel, it's a gel type dressing. Duoderm will keep moisture in, but even adding the silver gels and stuff, that is going to keep moisture in too. And that's going to make it more of a wet wound because sometimes when a wound is too dry, it can't heal. So you're trying to create this perfect moisture balance to promote healing. You don't want it too wet and you don't want it too dry. You want it just right so that it'll heal. Yeah. And even then sometimes, depending on somebody's blood flow, if they don't have good blood flow to a part of their body, say a foot, for example, it's, it's going to be really hard to have a wound heal. And I forgot where you were when I interrupted you for the second time. Do you remember where you were for that part? Okay. Okay. Um, do you have any, before we wrap this section up, do you have any other supplies or anything you want to uh, show anybody, oh, tell yeah. them about show and tell basically? Yes. This, I wanted to share this. This thing is so cool. This is actually, it's like a little scope. So it's an ear camera. And what it does, I don't know if I can turn if I turn it on. Oh, yeah. Can you see the light? You can actually put that in your ear. Or you could probably put it up your nose, too. I would hurt myself. Either, either orifice, I would hurt myself. But it has an app on your phone, so you can actually see inside your ear. And this is, like, the coolest tool I have bought. And I showed it to actually some of the doctors that I work with, and they're like, that's like a scope. And I'm like, I know it's so cool. And I know you're not supposed to stick things and stuff in your ear, but like, I think it was like a week ago, I couldn't hear and it was killing me. My ear didn't hurt. It was, but it was awful. So I got this guy to see what was going on in my ear and there was some yeah. stuff going on in there. You got that. And I was like, don't do that. You don't do that. Yeah. Your mom I ever wanted tell to you? show you the pictures, but you didn't want to see my pictures. Oh, all right. So, um, uh, Kevin also in the chat here real quick, he had a quick tip in here. He said, I didn't want to put this up while you were talking, but uh, petroleum jelly with Benadryl for a good topic, topical application for extreme bug bites. Uh, safe, uh, nice, safe, and very effective. Um, do you have anything else before we get on to uh, the, uh, the important stuff, the aliens? I don't think so. I think I think it's mostly it's just important for especially anybody that is getting into preparedness. Just I mean, take some classes, learn some basic first aid, learn how to deal with sunburns, learn how to deal with small wounds, insect bites, things like that for your family and start putting together your first aid kit now because it's you're. You, you'll need it. There's no way that you will go without using a first aid kit. And it could, you know, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say it could save somebody's life, but it could. 
or could definitely make things a lot easier for you until you can get to the doctor. Yeah, there there absolutely could be that situation where it is an SHTF situation. It is a situation that is, it's going to be a while before medical help is going to be available. Uh, so having the skills, the training, all of that stuff would be important. It makes you a valuable part of somebody's group. The more training, uh, the more experience you have in all this stuff, the more supplies and the ability to use all of those supplies makes you a more valuable person. So, and, and on top of that, just a daily and everyday basis, you are going to use the crap. And, and it's something that doesn't get talked about uh, as much I, as I think it should in preparedness. Cause we're talking about food. We're talking about security. We're talking about all the fun stuff. Right. But the first aid is absolutely that stuff that we buy a lot of stuff. We, I keep saying stuff. We, we buy a lot of gear and supplies as preppers that we just kind of put on the shelf and and hope we never have to use it but it's there just in case we do water filters and things like that but first aid supplies there's there's an investment that goes into it but you're going to probably use uh, most of that stuff and if you don't say you you do have god gauze ba- pads that go bad you had this the silvazorb that was kind of a, a you know it's there's not a lot you can do with that once it expires but a lot of them you can use them for practice oh, yeah, I'll use, use them for on training the horses. I use the Silvazorb when it's expired on the horses. That's true. I mean, it is what it is. But like where you get your little gadgets and stuff and your preparedness things, these are my gadgets. This is what gets me excited. Yeah, that's true. Hey, uh, Brandon in the chat said, he said, wait, wait, wait. What about alien wound care? Uh, what if they crash in my yard and I'm the first responder? I think I'd run away, Brandon. I'd hide. I'd be going to get in a shovel or a gun or something. I'd no, be just run away. Just run away. <laughs> I'd be uh, okay. We'll we'll get into this alien stuff now because don't with, be the hero, Dale. With, <laughs> not when it comes no, to aliens. I'm, it's 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 called. I'm making sure the damn sucker's dead. It's not going to move. Same thing with that when I see a spider or you know some sort of snake or something like that. It's beat the crap out of it till it doesn't move anymore. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm not tying up some sort of alien and, you know, put in, and waterboarding him in the garage trying to get information about where he's from and all that. Nope. Smash, 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 smash. You're dead. Uh, I don't think it would be a really good idea to get too close to one because they, what if, I mean, it's like Columbus and the Indians, right? And how we, the Columbus brought smallpox to the Indians. What could those aliens potentially have? I don't, I don't think I'm going to want to get too close to him. Yeah. Plus the whole probe thing. That bothers me too. So yeah. it's like, yeah, you don't want hey, to get too close. I got a probe now. So I we could probe him back. Yeah, you could. Hey, one last thing no, on first could. aid. Brandon said, uh, speaking of first aid, the good lesson here is, uh, and, and reason is not to get hurt in the first place. Stay safe. Yeah. Uh, because in an SHTF situation, that's just going to make a situation even worse. Uh, so well, even on a daily basis, I mean, think about it. You're screwing around. You're just not taking the time. You climb the ladder. You're not taking the time to make sure that everything's secure. You didn't have somebody help you and you fall off the ladder and then you break your ankle. Well, you're, you're done. I mean, for minimum of six to eight weeks, Yeah. you, you probably can't go to work. If it's your right ankle, you can't drive. So, I mean, it's just taking a few extra seconds and planning planning ahead for before it becomes an accident i mean because that's how accidents happen right 
Yeah. We all, have, we all do stupid things. So if you just kind of take a step back, take a breath and make sure you're prepared before the things that you attempt to do or have some assistance. Yeah. Hey, real quick here. One more thing on this and then we will move on. But I saw this and he, and he said uh, uh, special request. So I had to go for it. But he's talking about it. Uh, it's batshite crazy. Said choking and asphyxiation. Um, I think this is one. Take a class, right? I mean, because that is absolutely one that could be, regardless whether you're talking about an SHTF situation, whether you're talking about you just having kids over, having a barbecue, something like that. That is something you really got to know what to do. And you can't be Sandra Bullock. What was that movie where she was? Oh, my goodness. She stabbed oh, the dude in the neck with or the something. Pen. <laughs> she did yeah. a tracheotomy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you don't want to be that guy. So just to understand it's not that hard, but understand what you need to do. Uh, and, and, you know, make sure that you're able to do that. And sometimes it's not as easy as just, you know, kind of getting them to hawk it up. Sometimes it gets really lodged in there and you got to figure that stuff out. Didn't you just take a CPR class? I did. I just did my, thankfully I don't have to do the ACLS. I just do the B, uh, BLS, the basic life support. But yeah, they, when you do your BLS, um, and I think it's even just for everybody, when you do CPR training, that for choking, that is actually one of the topics that's covered um, in CPR, because sometimes if you can't get whatever's in there dislodged, then the patient person ends up passing out and they're unconscious and they're not breathing. So then you're going to start CPR. So that's, it's a part of it. Or you put on the movie, The Heat, and you fast forward to that part and you figure out what to do, right? Which movie? <laughs> the Heat. Wasn't that what it oh, was? Figure out how to do a tracheotomy? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so, Dale. <laughs> All right. Enough of this stuff. Uh, let's get on to the aliens because we were talking about with, with, you know, the alien in the backyard thing and all that stuff. There were actually, there's been a lot of stuff going on this week and I've got my thoughts on it, but we're going to save it till a little bit afterwards. But I want to play uh, this first part um, with the, the report. They call him a whistleblower, even though he was allowed to come out and talk about it. So I don't know how that constitutes uh, whistleblowing, but that's what they called him anyway. But let me play this uh, little clip right here first, and then I want to get your thoughts on uh, the, your sort of reaction when you first heard all this stuff, your reaction this week, almost like a, because people that have been listening to this show for a while know that, that I basically give you a hard time about this stuff. So this is almost like one of those, it could be one of those, I told you so moments, but I'm not so sure. You, you don't think so? <laughs> let me, let me play this real quick and then we'll, we'll get at your thoughts on the whole thing or so really what whistleblower David Grush said yesterday it was just the beginning tonight he explains how they know these craft are not human he tells us about other countries who also have crash retrieval programs and why he says some of the non-human life may not be friendly new revelations from whistleblower David Grush who says America has a UFO crash retrieval program and non-human craft in its possession now Grush is shedding light on exactly how the secret government program knows the craft are not of this world. Why do you know it's exotic? Uh, based on uh, the very specific properties that I was briefed on, you know, isotopic ratios that would have to be engineered for it to be um, at those levels, but also just extremely uh, 
strange, heavy atomic metal, you know, high up in the periodic table um, arrangements that um, we don't understand, you know, what the emergent properties are, but there's just a very strange mix of um, elements. So you're absolutely sure that the materials that these craft are made of now, I, I, I got the link to this whole video. I'm not going to play this whole thing because it's like 14 minutes long. But um, it the first thing that got me when he said that they may not be nice. And it was like, shocker, you know, go go figure. But what do you make of this dude? What were your, your initial thoughts about what's going on? And what other information do you know about this uh, so far? What have you heard from your, your wacko Giorgio Sokolases and your... Um, your what's what's the fat guy that you listen to all the time? Clyde Lewis. Oh yeah, Clyde Lewis. What has he had to say about oh it? Oh my god. Okay, so Clyde Lewis. That's where I heard about this first, and he was like floored that this was not all over the news because, as you saw, this was on News Nation, and this wasn't everywhere. This was only on News Nation, and then it started getting you know leaking out, and everybody was oh, okay. I guess we'll start talking about this, and you know, instead of the really important things like. But I can't say that, you know, the news always talks about. But when I first heard about it, I was listening to Clyde Lewis and I was like, this is so cool. And then I listened to it a little bit more. And then I was like, okay, so if so a whistleblower, there's a definition of a whistleblower. And what it is, is someone um, that a government agency is doing something bad and like nefarious and this person knows it and they're going to come out and talk about it. That's but the what fact I think. that he worked for them, you know, worked for the government. I, I can kind of get that like Snowden, but they're going to, they, they gave him permission or they basically gave him permission of things to talk about, but he couldn't share any photos. He couldn't share like specific things, which I guess I guess I get, but it just seems a little fishy to me just, and I mean, I am like, the biggest wannabe believer ever, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, thinking that the aliens are coming. Not that I want them to, but I mean, come on, this universe is like endless. And to think that we're the only ones here, that's pretty, See, I mean, it's pretty out there. I, I thought it was when I heard the story and I, I heard this interview, I watched the whole thing and I was like, he went to the Department of Defense or wh wh whoever it was. He, he wanted to come out with this story, but he went to them first to ask permission. Yeah. So that is not a whistleblower. And that just seems to me like it, 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 it throws away all credibility because well, if you're asking them for permission, the government, regardless of what agency doesn't like to give away even the smallest little stuff. But when they're like, yeah, go tell your story, bro, go have at it. That makes me, that makes me wonder a little bit. The thing that makes me wonder about it, because, I mean, lately we've been seeing on the news um, and they're they're talking more and more about it. And like when the the China balloons or whatever they were, they were like, well, they're um, UAPs. And they they were the ones the government was the ones that changed the terminology from UFO to UAP. So and then we're going to go back to saying UFO. So they're like bringing this mainstream. And I'm just curious why. Because for the longest time, yeah, I mean, I'm the whack job because I believe that there's life out there. Now, do I think that they're going to come here? Probably not. Not intentionally anyway, because I'm pretty sure they don't, we don't have anything that we could offer, you know, 
a different species or, you know, whatever, an alien that is capable of traveling, you know, billions and billions of miles. I'm pretty sure we don't have anything to offer them. Um, and in fact, we'd probably take advantage of them. And I'm sure that we have in the past. I, I, I do think that there's aliens here. I do think that the government is working with them. And I do believe that there are uh, alien spacecraft that they've, that they, that they have. In fact, they said, uh, right. Everybody thinks, what is it? Area 51 that has the alien stuff and the spaceships and alien ships and everything, but actually it's right. Patterson air force base where they keep a lot of this stuff and and I can't. So one of the doctors that I used to work with, he actually passed away, but he, he was at Wright Patterson air force base. And he would, I mean, he was very, very, you know, just smug about things and stuff. And it was always about him. He was always talking about himself, but if, if I could catch him off guard a little bit, he, he wouldn't necessarily talk about it, but he wouldn't not talk about, cause I don't, I would always ask him about aliens. Yeah. I, I just think it's, I don't know. Uh, somebody in the chat, uh, Samson here said, uh, uh, the whistleblower just doesn't feel sincere, feels scripted. And when you yeah. uh, let me play the beginning, uh, see if I can play the beginning of this. You look at and even in this part, when you look at his his face, the way he's talking about things. And in the beginning, when you hear the politicians and even the press secretary, they, they just kind of have this look like, yeah, we got you all. You guys are all distracted. You guys are paying attention to this bullshit. So we'll just let it go. But let me let me play this real quick and um, see if I if, if this is the right part. Who says America has a crash retrieval program with non-human craft in its possession and that it's kept this secret from Congress and the American public. There will be oversight of that. I've heard about it. I don't know anything about it. See the smirk on his face. I don't know if you can see that. Let me put it in full screen. I know you're. Uh, let me put it in full screen. Just watch the smirk on his Representative face. Burchett and Representative Luna on the oversight committee are, are very interested in this issue and they're taking the lead in this okay. issue. So there is going to be oversight on this. Uh, we plan on having a hearing uh, pertaining to that whole issue. I would say I want to hear what he saw and let the committee that's got responsibility for it ask the questions. So it, to me, it all seems like, Oh, let me put this back on this, this shot right here. To me, it all seems like a, this is, Something, especially when you think about all the news that just came about uh, out about Biden and Burisma, you got you got Trump that was just indicted, which I don't think they want to deflect from that story. I think they want that to be a huge story. But with things like the aliens, with things, all the, the trans stuff going on, these are all stories that are kind of put out there and they're they're letting them build up. That way, we're not paying attention to the assholes that are. And again, I, I'm cussing a lot in the show tonight. We're not paying attention uh, to the, the people that are just completely destroying the country uh, and and the corruption and all the BS that's going on right there. So sort of like Area 51. And this is my belief. I know you probably don't believe this at all, but Area 51 was allowed to become this big thing, this this pop culture thing. Uh, you know, with the 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 place in Nevada and the, the aliens and all that stuff, because people were talking about that and they weren't talking about the top secret things that were going on there. 
So I think this is sort of that same type of distraction type thing. Hey, let's let these plebs talk about their stupid little aliens and let's put some, let's, let's throw a whistleblower out there to make them believe that this is kind of juicy. And regardless whether they believe it or not, they're going to talk about it rather than talking about us. That's what I think. I just don't understand why they have to have committees to discuss. And we're going to have hearings about the aliens. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, it's it, it almost seems like a slap in the face to people like me that do believe in extraterrestrial life. Okay. You know, but it's like, really, I, I'm not buying it. Um, I, I wanted to, I, I was very, very excited about it. And then I just kind of, I don't know. I just, it just didn't seem credible. I mean, he seems very credible, but that's part of the, you know, the, the part that makes me think this isn't, it's not legit. It's like they're doing it on purpose and they're releasing information that we already know. We we know that they have crash retrieval systems. We know that they have, you know, there's spaceships. We we know that they have this stuff. No, we can't prove it. But I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of frustrating because it's literally like they're slapping me in the face saying, oh, here you go. Here you go. You just you're crazy crazy conspiracy girl you don't you don't really know what goes on we'll we'll, we'll show you what goes on yeah yeah or their version of it hey brandon said here in the chat uh that uh area 51 he said i think that area 51 blew up because of public knowledge about sr 71 and that was blackbird right uh and that was sort of well it, i mean there was a little bit with the you know the alien spacecraft that got down before that uh but yeah, that's when that's when everybody started to figure out there was a whole lot of stuff going on there that we had no idea about more than flying saucers and, and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah, but I think Area 51 was more of the like the the experimental aircraft and stuff, because yeah. I don't know if I'm 100 percent right. But the the stealth didn't they get stealth technology and they were working on it out of area 51? Yeah. That was the blackbird that I was talking about. And I'm not okay. sure, Brandon, you have to let me know. Is that the same plane uh, that I'm thinking of, or is that a different one? But, but yeah, it is. That's what they were working on out there. Yeah. And and then so, that's what led people to kind of go that, Oh, they're stealing alien technology and, and they're using that for this stealth stuff. And, and there's, there, there goes right there. I know you're thinking, well, they are. Exactly. But I don't necessarily think they're using it for the stealth stuff. I mean, look at the Nazis and Hitler and the Wunderweppens that they had. And they were trying to make these crafts like they were like spaceships. So it was like they were trying to reverse engineer, you know, this alien technology that they had. And then that makes me think, OK, so then is that maybe why we got what's his name? Von Braun, Werner, Werner von Braun. Maybe that was why he was they wanted him here maybe that's why they brought those nazi people here because they had that information nazis did some weird crap like i know some of the crap you look at it and you go my god i mean hitler must have been on acid or something like that doing mushrooms every day or something because some of the crap that they tried to come up with i i thought americans were crazy and maybe russians are crazy but those people in germany back then holy crap they were i mean on a different planet I, I don't know. So, but hey, a couple things real quick. Uh, Kenzie in the chat had talked about, and I know that you've you've mentioned this to me before, but uh, nuclear weapons, it seems like whenever there's 
nukes or anything like that going on. There's always alien activity. A couple of comments he said, and then I'll let you expand on it. Uh, is it a coincidence that we're close to a nuclear war and these aliens are appearing? Uh, and then he also said, uh, wasn't it back in the 40s? Uh, there was a lot of nuclear weapons testing and then aliens started to appear back then or the sightings and things like that. Yeah. So what is the is is it? Is it like the aliens just kind of camped out out there and then they see we're doing some crazy crap and then they're like, oh, crap, these these people are about to do it. Let's let's go watch. They're about to blow themselves up. Oh, no, they didn't. OK, what what it what is be, it your, your theory on that? It could be or it could be maybe that they that the nuclear technology, maybe they need that for their I don't know, maybe they need that for powering their spaceship. I have no idea. But, yeah, it is really interesting that around like when there's nuclear testing or nuclear sites and stuff, there is an increase in alien, like, you know, ship sightings and stuff. So, or maybe the nuclear stuff or the fission or whatever it is, is giving off some signature that's attracting them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. What What are your thoughts on the fact that most of these UFO sightings, UAP, whatever they're called these days, are almost all of them are real close to military bases. So that sort of in itself shoots out the otherworldly type thing, doesn't it? Because it, it seems to me like a lot of these things are probably projects that we have no idea what they're working on, but Potentially, they're, yeah. they're testing them out. But you think no? I, I don't know. I mean, that's why they're unidentified, right? I mean, what was it two years ago when all of the drones were out here and they were going like first they were by Denver, but they were out east and I didn't get to see them. I was pretty bummed about that. But I mean, <laughs> people were just seeing all of these like little drones, but they weren't drones. And it was it was very odd. But and then that story just kind of went away. They went from like Colorado Springs, Pueblo um, and then out east. And. I, I don't know. But then I also think about like um, cattle mutilations are on the rise again. Why is that happening? There's, I mean, was it Oregon? There was like seven prize bulls or something that were killed and same like type of things that were done in the seventies where there's no blood, no blood anywhere around these animals. And it's like surgical precision that these, like their tongues are gone um, or their udders, if it was a cow, it just, it's, it's just weird. So do you, do you buy the crop if, circle crap? What do you buy the crop circle crap? Yeah, that's just cool. You think you that's ask. aliens and not some dude with a two by four walking through a cornfield? There's no way, <laughs> no way. Can't believe I've never asked you that question before. I, I, I don't see why. Uh, unless Pablo Picasso is up in heaven or he's an alien or something and he's coming down and he wants to play in a cornfield. I don't see why an alien would come down here and draw pictures uh, in the middle of Kansas somewhere. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a marker so that someone from space can see that or not necessarily space, but once they get like into the lower atmosphere, maybe they can see that. Could be. Yeah. Just you guys, like, what is it? You guys got all the answers. Lines? The <laughs> NASA you lines, you can see that really high. Yeah, there are some some crazy stuff uh, like Puma Punku and all these. What is the the Nazca lines and all that stuff, which is pretty interesting. But just because it's interesting and just because we don't know doesn't mean. Uh, and I know I'm I'm fighting a losing battle here, but just because we don't know, I will admit though, it is pretty interesting. But just because it's interesting doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, 
it wasn't. What? Yeah, there there was a, probably a lot of crap going on back then that we think happens this way, but it, it happened a complete different way, and we just have no idea because it's in the past. So, at any rate, I want to move on to this this last part right here because uh, this was the one where Brandon was talking about a, a, an alien in his backyard or whatever. This, this is, is so cool. This is I, like I this saw this and best. I was like. Yeah, okay, I've got a couple things to nitpick about this as well, but this is a couple people that there was something in Las Vegas, right? I'll let you explain what happened. A, a light in the sky or something? Yeah, and I don't know if this clip actually shows that it was the police officers um, that they saw the light too. They saw something in the sky, and then they got a 911 um, call from this family, and it wasn't like very long after that. Yeah. And and this this video right here I'm going to play is actually the the body cam of an officer that his buddy is the one that saw it. So that's the officer even says in here he's like the reason I'm responding this is because my buddy saw what was going on so I want to see what what's going on here. So yeah, a, a police officer saw it in the sky, but nobody saw the, the nine foot tall dudes in these guys' backyards. Let me instead of just explaining all this stuff, let me go ahead and play it right now. Uh, and then you can expand on it. We'll expand on it after this. It's almost midnight on May 1st when a Las Vegas Metro police officer's body cam catches this something flashing low in the sky. 911 emergency. Minutes later, there's a there's like an eight foot person beside it, and another one's inside, and it has big eyes and looking at us, and it's still there. Someone calls 911 reporting two large figures in their backyard. Uh, no, I'm so nervous right now. The 8 News Now investigators obtaining another officer's video as he's sent to the Northwest Valley home. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw the shooting star. Then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. By now, it's more than an hour after that bright light. Officers meeting up with the caller and his family. What'd you see? It was like a... Like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long, tiny top. I'm not gonna BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Or they see like a big. That's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. What I saw right now, I do believe in it. Police walk into the backyard to investigate, but Metro blacked out that part of the video because it's considered private property. What's clear? They're taking this call seriously. Hey, this might sound like a really dumb question. But did you guys see anything fall out of the sky? Asking others what they yes. saw. Uh, I would normally discount it as nothing. However, um, seeing as one of my partners said they saw it too, only reason I'm actually investigating it further. That investigation turning up no concrete answers as of Wednesday, whatever or whoever. I was okay. muted. They couldn't hear a damn thing I said. Uh oh, uh, that's too bad because I was making a lot of sense. And now you guys aren't going to know what I was talking about. <laughs> I was just saying, let me let me go back and say that one one more time then since I was muted. But I was talking about this. They didn't seem all that excited. They didn't have a cell phone. And I was like, at, you know, it there's there's a point where just because they don't have a cell phone, that is not a, a, a you know, a deal breaker for me. Because when you think about if there was you walk outside in your backyard and you see an alien or you see, like I said just a minute ago, if you walk outside and see a bear out there, the first thing you're doing is not grabbing your phone to try to record it. Right. So if you were to walk out and see this big nine, 10 foot tall alien dude, I'm flipping my crap. And not even think about it. And then you said, that's where you came in and said, would you really? 
And and I said yes. And why were you saying that that you don't think I would, or you don't think you would, or or, or I, I don't I don't know how I would respond, but I'd be like, okay, trying to gather the, the information. But I think that, that family sounds way more credible, and those police officers sound even more credible than our supposed whistleblower. And I also think it's yeah. really interesting that if you look at that video and the the streak that they saw that the police officer saw in the sky. It was actually also seen in three states. So it wasn't just in Las Vegas. It was seen in different states as well. And this was old, right? This isn't like. It's not that old. That was another point I was going to make is this was done, I think, May 1st. And they said that in the beginning of the um, the news report that it happened on May 1st. Well, isn't that interesting that these you know people saw potentially aliens in their backyard May 1st, and here we are, what, June, what, is like 10th? And now this whistleblower is coming out? Why? Was there something that those that family wasn't supposed to see? Are we not supposed to know that yet? So, oh, we're going to make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. We, we know what's going on. We know that there's aliens out there. Just nothing to see here. So I would, I honestly think that the police officers and that family are way more credible. And I think maybe, who knows, maybe... Because of that, that's why this other story is coming out. Yeah. Hey, a couple comments real quick. Uh, <laughs> Samson said, what if crop circles are created from below surface underworld? What are your thoughts on that, Lisa? It could happen. Like I mean, anything's the, possible. Suck the corn down. <laughs> like I don't know. Maybe magnets. it's magnetic. You don't know, Dale. <laughs> All right. And Kenzie said here, uh, I think that uh, if there were aliens near you, your inner instincts would kick in and you'd probably run. I, I think I would kind of like, yeah, like when you see like I, even a garter snake, I'm outside working in the yard or something and I see a garter snake. My first instinct is to jump 18 feet off the ground and and backwards. So if I'm going out there and I see an alien, I don't know. Maybe you do just kind of like freeze and you're going, what the is that? I think that's more realistic. You're just like, what? Yeah. What is that? And then Brandon said here, uh, talking to about that nobody ever has a camera. He says, you clearly haven't met my aunt. She'll grab a camera phone uh, before she'll grab a shotgun. That is a lot of people these days. And that's why I bring that up because it's like, you know, with all the cameras and everybody always having them on and recording everything, uh, you would think somebody would have a good, not blurry shot of aliens. But that hasn't happened yet. Maybe they move too fast. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they're interdimensional. Maybe they got good pictures of them, but got probed immediately after. Uh, and then the, you know, the men in black came, shine their little flashy light in their faces and, you know, all that cover up and all that stuff. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking when I first heard this story, I was like, oh, great. Here's Lisa's I told you so moment. And then I watched a little bit more of it. And it was like, a, no, not this dude. This is definitely a distraction. This is definitely a, a government plant. This is like some Ray Epps crap with aliens right here. This is the it government just, saying, go out I here and say this crap to keep these people entertained. Yeah, just to, okay, here, we're going to throw you a bone here. Yeah, we'll talk about this. And we, we have a whistleblower. Whatever. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's just like their, their hearings that they had and, oh, there's, you know, there's, there is alien life, blah, blah, blah. Well, we already know that. 
And why do you think that they're trying so hard to get back to the moon? Why is China putting stuff up on the moon? India, all of these different countries are like they're fighting tooth and nail to get to the moon. Why? Yeah, that that is definitely interesting as far as why all of a sudden this is information. Instead of calling everybody out of their damn minds, now they're talking about, hey, you know, it could be this, could be that, could be this, could be that. We're going to have hearings about it. Oh, goody. It's like we're going to have a Tupperware party and discuss aliens. (laughs) Thanks, government. Appreciate it. Not not that they're efficient with any damn thing they do, but... Um, all right, I think we are going to get out of here tonight. We uh, we're we're going a little bit long tonight, which is just a fun conversation. I, I knew that uh, it wasn't going to all be first aid; it's going to be UFOs and crap like that too. But uh, uh, everyone in the chat, do you have anything to add on this uh, before we get out of here, Lisa? No, I just thank you so much for letting me come back on and and yell at you a little bit about my aliens and and thank you everybody for watching me rant a little bit about my aliens too yeah and and just so people know the newer people it the tinfoil hat time isn't always about aliens it just happened this week that it was perfect timing (laughs) it was so perfect (laughs) yeah so uh, a lot of times lisa's got lisa is the conspiracy theorist uh it it's too bad that you don't listen to alex jones anymore now it's clyde lewis but uh, it used to be anytime, you know, Alex Jones would say something, we'd get on and talk about it, but all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories. So we'll have to have you back on and talk about some of the other stuff. Plus, you know, conspiracy theories these days, I don't know if there's many left because they're all basically coming true. They're so. all being proven true. Yeah. They're not conspiracy theories. They're they're like spoiler alerts. Yeah. Uh, Manny said, good show. Thank you, Manny, for joining in today. Good to see you, Lisa. Yeah. Uh, Dorian, uh, enjoy it, Lisa and Dale. Uh, enjoy it, at Lisa and Dale. Information. Uh, again, everyone in the chat, all the comments, Kansi, Brandon, everybody, thanks for all the uh, uh, the comments and everything. All-American Prepper, thanks for joining in tonight. Uh, really enjoyed it, he said. Uh, yeah, All-American Prepper is just a cool dude. He is a character. I love All-American Prepper. Yeah. He, oh my God, I love that guy. He is so cool. Yeah. He's awesome. I He's, uh, he's awesome. He is a character, man. He's 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 a good he's a good guy. He's a really good guy and knows his stuff. Absolutely. So. Uh, but that's it for tonight, everyone. Uh, again, appreciate y'all joining in. We are going to get out of here. Hopefully, we'll have Lisa on at some point. But like we talked about in the beginning, she's only got about eight hundred thousand things going on. So uh, I'll get her. The only reason I got her tonight is because she's on vacation. So I made her come on the show. So. <laughs> But uh, take care and prepare, everyone. We'll talk to you all later.